don't know this, then you're behind the times. The only metric that matters is convenience. Rules apply to you. Suddenly you're an advertiser. This week on Social Minds. This is an opportunity for you to come out of this situation an upgraded version of who went in. We were joined remotely by Chris Williamson, who you might remember from an early episode of Social Minds. For our new listeners, Chris is the director of the nightlife brand Voodoo Events, where he also hosts the very popular Modern Wisdom podcast, whose life hack series has been a massive hit with his audience. Yes, if there's one man who can life hack his way through these unprecedented times, it's Chris Williamson. Chris spoke to us all about staying on focus, including why your morning coffee could be hindering your productivity, how to come out of the COVID-19 pandemic a better person, and lots of other business hacks, from trusting your staff to forcing yourself to switch off at night. People are desperately searching for a sense of shared experience to bring them together. And right now, I'm seeing so much more empathy around the world than I've ever seen before. All this and more, coming up. How can people and businesses stay productive in the midst of a pandemic? (laughs) No small question. No (laughs) small question. We expect big answers to our big questions. Yeah, for sure. It's it's the C word at the it's the new C word, isn't it? I I don't know whether people are sick of talking about it or or, or they love talking about it. It's um, it's challenging. Obviously, the single biggest change that's going to happen economically and in terms of healthcare and policy during pretty much everyone's generation. So. Yes, let's see if we can tackle it today. It's, it's the sort of question you don't think you probably didn't ever expect to answer, really. I mean, I know you've got your life hacks episode, but now, you know, I guess we're talking about kind of business and, and people hacks now, especially, well, we'll start with people, especially we're all working from home now, most of us, which is kind of strange and it's taken some getting used to. So how can you stay productive how can you stay on the ball when you're doing that when you're not at your office desk so this is something i think a lot of people may struggle with which is the change of routine um thankfully i've been self-employed and working in one form or another from my bedroom for the last sort of 10 years so i've got a pretty good idea of how to do it some of the bits of advice that i would suggest to people is you need to try and make any adapted version of life that you move into as close to the original version of life as you can. So for instance, stick to a stable sleep and wake cycle. Just because your boss isn't there checking whether or not you get into the office on time, you want to be at your computer or at your desk or whatever it might be for a set time. You also want to get dressed to do work. Now, It doesn't mean that you've got to be in a full suit and tie, but working all day in your pyjamas is a bad idea because it doesn't match the ritual that you'll be used to when you go to work. The last thing that you want to do is remove even more semblances of normality than you have to. So, you know, get up, get your coffee made, get your breakfast made, cook for the day, prep your meals for the day if that's what you're going to do. You know, stick to the normal things that you do like that and then get yourself sat down at your desk, stick to a a work cadence where you take little breaks here and there if you need to. You know, try and make it feel as much like a normal day as you can. Yeah, because that's that's tricky, like the pyjama point, because my mum just started working from home and the first thing she said to me was, oh, we get to work in our pyjamas. I was like, no, we can't do that. I've been guilty of it myself, I think, just because, well, I'm not I'm not at home at the minute. And maybe for some people, you get thrust into working from home like when you're not ready to. So, like, without a desk and, like, without your normal environment, it can be harder to put, like, good practices into place. But what advice would you have for people who maybe don't have everything that they need um, to replicate an office setup? And are there ways that you can get creative and sort of do it um, yourself? Well... My single best or my favorite way to work at the moment is with a standing desk. I'm standing right now. I stand when I podcast. I stand when I work. Um, if you are perhaps back at your parents or at your normal house and you have a um, like a kitchen counter, working in the kitchen, getting some books, you know, it doesn't have to be fancy to get a desk riser, get your laptop up so that you're at a nice height and you can work from there. You know, it doesn't really matter about where you're working. Um, certainly some some real basics to do with make sure that you're not craning your neck down. You do not want to be sat on the couch with your laptop on your lap, with your head at, at, at that kind of complete bent over um, angle like you're looking at your phone. It's just real poor ergonomics and your sleep and your neck will not thank you. 
if you try and do that. So, you know, it, depending on how long people uh, are concerned about being at home, it might be an idea trying to buy a cheap external keyboard and mouse because then you can pop your laptop on a anything, you know, put it on a, a cake tin, put it on anything to raise it off the surface you're at, and then you want your hands 90 degrees to your body working with your the top of your laptop screen around about the level of your eyes. Yeah, that's good. I've got a pile of books in front of me right now, and as you said that, I've just started sitting up and making sure I'm not hunched over. Yeah. You touched on something interesting there, Chris, when you said, um, you know, depending on how long you think you may be uh, working at home for. And this is true. Um, One of the questions I wanted to ask you is, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty about these unprecedented times, as we keep saying. Does that sort of negate uh, unproductivity in a way? Does does not knowing how long we're going to be at home for make us more unproductive? Is there a way of you know, overcoming that? Absolutely, yeah. I know that you love a, a bit of behavioral economics on here. So let me give you a, a great, great example, a great story from Rory Sutherland. So Rory's company, Ogilvy, were involved in trying to reduce the complaints at London Heathrow. And the complaints were occurring because the wait time that people had to get through to get uh, past the scanners, the security scanners, luggage and personal scanning um, was taking so long they were just getting inundated and it was really damaging the airport's uh, reputation and their reviews and typically as most airports do they're run by people that are experts in logistics and operations so they just looked at it as an optimization problem so they were saying right well can we put more staff on rotation can we uh, condense down the lanes is there a way that we can get an even faster machine is there a way you know they looked at it as a, a logistical and operations problem uh, and Rory's team came in and said well just one second before you decide to spend a couple of million quid completely revamping the way that you do that let's just try something and they placed little posters at periodic Uh, steps along the queue that told people how long the wait was going to be 45 minutes from this point, 30 minutes from this point, 15 minutes from this point. And the number of complaints went through the floor because people don't mind discomfort as long as they know when it's going to end. Mm. And what this tells us is that uncertainty is one of the worst things that humans can deal with. We like to close the loop, something called the Zyganic effect, which is how open and closed loops work. Um, We just don't like it. Like if I told you, Theo, that um, at some point in the next 24 hours, I was going to punch you very hard in the leg, or I could tell you that I'm going to punch you very hard in the leg right now, the anxiety about the next 24 hours is going to be so much worse. You just want it out of the way. You're like, if, look, if you're going to hit me in the leg, hit me in the leg right now. Um, <laughs> and yeah, it, it's it's challenging, right? Because people don't know how long they're going to be in this situation. I think, I think based on what I know, it would appear four weeks to eight weeks at a maximum. Seems realistic from this point, which is kind of mid-March. So you know, use that as a, as some sort of an idea. Can I deal with being in this situation for the next four to eight weeks? Does that mean that I need to maybe spend 50 quid on an external keyboard and mouse? Because that will make my life X better over the next period of time. It's not going to be one week. We're not just going to be away from work for, for, you know, 14 days or something like that. I do think it's going to take some time before we reintegrate. So yeah. Try and try and get rid of the uncertainty by at least working towards some deadlines. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It's really good advice. And especially that anecdote from Rory, I guess, demonstrates how important it is for businesses, especially and news outlets to give us as much information as they can and how transparency can sort of counteract that uncertainty. Um, But I guess with all the news and information, um, we can't forget something like this is actually really scary for a lot of people. There's already been a lot of stories about how it's impacting people's anxiety and mental health, um, pre-existing issues like that. Um, and me, myself, you know, I've gotten a bit more anxious. Like, And you get stuck in the cycle of checking the news as often as possible because you think that staying informed will make it better. But in some cases, especially when we're talking about having to work from home and stay productive, um, it can make people lose focus. So how would you um, advise people to stay focused when there is so much news and media exposure that we kind of have to be half in, half tuned into, but also know when to, to stop? 
Yeah, real challenge. And anybody listening who is already self-employed and or works from home with remote or flexible working knows the situation that you're talking about. Um, first things first, just don't have your phone near you. If we're talking about people who are working from home, don't have your phone in the room where you're working. Have it in some other room away from you. It means that you're not going to be tempted to check it. You're right. Twitter is ablaze with a combination of amazing memes and uh, total misinformation at the moment. And it is distracting. You know, the one thing, the most anti-fragile thing I think so far during COVID-19 has been WhatsApp chats. You know, WhatsApp group chats have just been on fire for me at the moment. And I don't need my phone constantly buzzing and binging, uh, distracting me. So leave your phone in another room. Again, you know, set yourself work targets. So if your typical cadence at work is you get in at nine, then you have a small break at half 11, then you work till half one, then you have lunch till quarter past two, whatever it might be, like stick to that. You need structure. If you don't have structure and if you decide that you're going to make a choice about when do I start? When do I finish? Have I done enough? Have I not? It, your level of decision fatigue is going to be so bad. Um, Generally, I just think that re reducing phone use at the moment is going to be a great idea. So for instance, until you've completed your morning routine, which might be having a shower and, and breakfast, I wouldn't touch your phone until that. I would also have a hard digital sunset an hour before you go to bed to ensure that you get as good good quality sleep as you can. Uh, and then if you don't have your phone in the area where you're working, um, you know, you, you're restricting it. You've boxed off the time that you can spend getting anxious about the news that you, you're seeing out there. And then also stick to reputable news sites, you know, like BBC, stat, statnews.com is really good. Um, do not get your information about how the coronavirus outbreak is going from your Facebook newsfeed. Yeah. Did you see the story on WhatsApp as well, since you've touched on that? There was a like a hoax message that went around saying it came from a source of someone who has a friend in the military that said that London was going to be in lockdown on Friday and there was going to be like army uh, people patrolling the streets. And that went so far and wide. My sister actually sent it to us and my parents thought it was real for about half a day, went out, got loads of food, came back. And then I read it on BuzzFeed. It was a hoax. And it just shows like, how easy that is um, to spread. And maybe in times where... Um, like normally we would have noticed it as misinformation now because everyone's so worked up, they're more susceptible to being fooled by it. Yeah, people are just looking for answers, you know. When you've got this uncertainty, any form of certainty, even if it's negative certainty, even if it was to say, right, there's martial law is going to be declared and everyone's outside, the army's going to be outside your door making sure that you don't go to Asda and take more than two loaves of bread or whatever it might be. You know, that, that that's, that's where people are at. They just want some certainty. And unfortunately, you're right, it's a vacuum that sucks in misinformation and speculation. Yeah, no, definitely. Chris, more, more on the uh, working from home situation. Um, I don't know if we're a unique case, but a lot of us have said we feel more busy than ever having worked from home. And I mm. partly put that down to um, the fact that email and, you know, the work kind of uh, floats and, and group chats that people use have become so sort of uh, crucial to conversation. It feels like... Uh, you know, where, where you maybe check emails sporadically through the day, it feels like you've got to check everything now. Um, I wondered with that in mind, how you go about prioritizing tasks, how you suggest prioritizing things when it feels like everything's coming at you at once, if you know what I mean. Yeah, unfortunately, as knowledge workers, you have to be on the ball, right? You You get an email in, right, we need to sign off this brief by 3 p.m. And because people potentially aren't in the office anymore like you guys, it's not like someone can just shout it from the other side of the room. In order for them to get in touch with you, they actually have to send you an email which involves you constantly checking it. So the best way that I've found to do this is to use the Pomodoro technique, which is 25 minutes on and five minutes off. And the goal of the Pomodoro technique is to allow you to do focused work for little batches. So if you search Be Focused Pro, online. Uh, it's a tiny little add-on for Mac. It's maybe like three pounds. Uh, and it's just a little timer that sits in the top top of your screen and you set it away, runs for 25 minutes, then it gives you a five minute break. And the goal is to do one task and then the next task and then the next task during that 25 minutes. And once you finish, you take a little five minute break. Um, and if your task is not 
check your email or reply to your emails. You don't look at your emails, turn your notifications off, you know, for 25 minutes. There are very, very few emails that are so important that they can't wait for 25 minutes. Um, And you can continue to batch that out. Unfortunately for the guys like yourselves and potentially other creatives in, in similar industries, a lot of the time email is the, um, it's the medium you, you, you communicate in, right? Like it's, it's the currency that you traffic in. Um, so you maybe need to box off a couple of Pomodoros to just sit and go through the emails, maybe try and encourage your work to have conference calls that are batched during the day so that you don't always have a little bit of information constantly flowing. You have condensed focused periods of work where you get all of the decisions, the key decisions are made, and then everyone can go back to doing their deep work. I was yeah, going no, to. That's gonna, a really good idea. I was going to say, Chris, it's it's interesting. You you've mentioned this, and and Eve, I wonder if you've sort of noticed the same thing. But I think working from home and, like you say, you know, relying sort of mainly solely on email, you kind of lose the benefit of nuance. So in the office, you know, I could go to somebody, and I guess by their tone, um, they could tell, you know, um how urgent the task is through my voice you know i could say oh yeah but you know don't worry, don't, don't worry about it or i really need this now and you, you do sort of lose yeah, that yeah, on email yeah. on slack or whatever it is you work on don't you yeah it's it's challenging man i mean you know if you want to really really get into it the eisenhower matrix is a great way for people to prioritize tasks it's a a, a, a two by two grid of urgent and important um anyone that googles the eisenhower matrix that might help um be focused Pro create a program which allows you to Eisenhower matrix your tasks and it ties in with your Pomodoro timer. So, you know, there's there's a number of different ways that you can go about this. But the, the bottom line at the moment, I think, is don't send more information than you need to. Like if you're if you've got a 15-person CC email thread and you see something that you're happy with and everybody knows that you're happy with, don't reply to all saying, yes, this looks great, go ahead. It's like it, they already knew. You know, don't send more emails than you need to. Don't loop other people in unnecessarily at this time. Perhaps maybe look at using um, voice notes on WhatsApp. Uh, don't forget that you can use WhatsApp web, which is really, really great uh, and actually just allows you to, again, you can have your phone in the other room. You're not going to get sucked into the Twitter vortex because you're just using you're using WhatsApp web similar to how you'd use like a Slack channel or something similar. Yeah, we love WhatsApp web. I think the voice notes thing is a really, really good idea because it's not just email. I think for, for me and for Theo, it'll be the same for you as well. We've got a million group chats and some of them are happening on Facebook Workplace. Some of them are happening on WhatsApp. Um, and it can be hard when sort of everyone's beeping you at the same time because there's this thing when you're on your phone and people send a message that people assume that um, you like should automatically respond. That's why the whole thing with like red receipts and um, like turning them off so people don't feel like they are, you know, they deserve an immediate reply, but everyone seems to be doing that now. Yeah, it's challenging. It's it, the whole dynamic of work is is going to change uh, at the moment. But if you can develop good working habits, and if you can ensure that you learn how to focus during this situation, uh, I think that you'll actually re-enter the workplace. I think you'll reintegrate with a bunch of new skills that you can use to actually make you even better once you go back. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one thing I've noticed as well. Um, is a, a benefit people are seeing from being at home is the ability to be able to cook in their kitchen. They can make fresh lunches. Um, and I know you're big into your fitness and nutrition. So I wonder if you could tell us what part nutrition has to play in um, keeping good habits and keeping a healthy mind, I guess. Well, this is a quote from your guys's uh, big boss, Don McGregor. He says, everything that your body is made of comes from things that you put in your mouth. Mm. You know, like your brain, everything, your brain is functioning on the things that go into your mouth, either as solid or liquid. So you need to ensure that at the moment, immunity is a big uh, hot topic. Obviously, your micronutrients are important for that. So make sure that you are getting a handful of veg and some some fruit whenever you can, mixing in, you know, just mixed salad or spinach. It's a pound from an Asda tear up a bunch of of spinach and throw it into every meal and you're going to feel better. Um, you need to ensure that you're adequately hydrating. I would say at least sort of two and a half to three and a half liters of water per day. So it's, it's a, a lot to drink, but it, what else are you doing? You sat at your desk, just have a big, a big glass. The best hack for that is to 
um, buy a half pint glass or even bigger. Uh, the bigger the glass, you will continue to drink the vessel. Whereas if you have a small glass and you need to continue to fill it up all of the time, you're actually going to drink less because it's just more arduous to go and keep on filling it up. So maybe a big, a big shaker bottle. Um, the protein works. Do a steel shaker, which is really cool. It's like a big sort of steel um, tin mug thing, uh, and you can drink from that. That's that's pretty good. Um, in terms of food. My advice would be to just bulk cook on a morning. So if you are working from home, make it part of your morning routine. You know, you want a combination, protein, fats, carbs. You want to try and have some veg in there. You want to have as many colors in your food as you can. But, you know, if you get a couple of hundred grams of chicken, some sauce, some rice, some pasta, some potatoes, or some vegetables mixed in with that, some salad mixed in with that. If you do that 30 minutes on a morning, mix everything together, put it into some Tupperware, stack them up, ready to go. And there's your food for the day. You know, you'll find that you've been able to make healthy cooked at home food, which has probably cost you maybe six pounds for an entire day of eating, probably even less. And, and it's all there. And once you've made it, it'll slowly, you do not need to put it in the fridge if it's only going to be out for sort of the rest of the day. So you can actually allow it to cool and get to ambient throughout the day. And you've got no fears really about, um, uh, about bacteria and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, there you go. You've got food, you've got water, you've got, you set for the day. Yeah, that water, that water hack is good. And um, my nutritionist told me a similar thing because I'm notoriously bad at drinking water. She told me to actually buy the litre bottle and just have that filled up, sat next to me. So I knew exactly how many litres I was drinking. Yeah. Yeah, it's a really, it's a really good tip. And what about fitness? Should people be taking the time to um, keep their workouts going, but at home? Because I know the gym is going to be a heavily avoided place from now on. Um, but what effect does that have on your productivity? I mean. If you stop exercising, it is going to make a huge difference to your mental and physical health, obviously. Um, whether you choose to go to the gym or not is completely down to you. One flag that I would quite like to fly is if you have a membership, a local independent gym, and you love and care about the place, if you can afford to, don't cancel your membership. Because if you start canceling your memberships, once this is all over, you will not have a gym to go back to. Um, so if you can afford to continue to support them, then that's great. One thing that's, if there's any local gym owners that are listening, if you're worried and struggling with cash flow at the moment, one thing that you can look at doing is actually loaning out your equipment to your members. So let's say that the members aren't prepared to go into the gym. They can actually sign up and just pay a little deposit and their membership will get them the license to take home two dumbbells and a kettlebell and maybe a skipping rope or something like that. And then just publish workouts on your website. So getting back to the way that people need to do it for their own personal health, I would say absolutely first thing in the morning, look to try and give yourself a walk. If you're working from home, you have no excuse not to do this anymore. You know, you you, you've saved your commute to work, which for some people, especially, you know, you guys getting in and out of Manchester is a nightmare. You must have saved, you know, hours per day, probably tens of hours per week in just commuting. So you're like, right, what can I do with this time that I've opened up? Right, let's get up on a morning once I've had my morning coffee or whatever it might be. I'll go for a walk. Strong evidence shows that getting sunlight first thing after you've woken is great for mood. It's great for resetting your uh, circadian rhythm. It helps to control cortisol release, which is what wakes you up on a morning. Um, another thing, you do not need coffee within the first 90 minutes of waking up. Your adenosine system, which is what caffeine binds to, is not what's active for the first 90 minutes. It's actually your adrenal system. So if you were to get a little bit of salt in a pint of water with some lemon juice, uh, I know that sounds weird, but I promise you, if you develop a taste for it, it tastes really, really nice. Uh, and that will actually give you all the benefits that you want from a glass uh, from a cup of coffee, but without having to absolutely fry your adenosine receptors when they're not even that active. Uh, another way, first thing in the morning, if you can stomach it, and I really, really strongly recommend trying this, is a cold shower. Like if you can finish off your shower with 30 seconds of the water on as cold as you can, there's a whole host of second and third order benefits of doing that, apart from the fact that it will definitely wake you up. Um, back to fitness, I would take as many walking breaks as you can. Um, again, let's presume that people aren't going to the gym. Personally, for me, I will be returning to the gym once uh, I'm out of, I'm currently self-isolating, which is another reason why it's good that we're uh, speaking over Skype. I had a fever earlier this week. Um, 
But once once I'm out, I will be returning to the gym. But for stuff that you're doing at home, you know, there are a million free home workout uh, plans that are floating around. Anybody who's struggling to find one, if you search warrior programming, home workout, you'll be able to find it for free. Those guys are giving away daily workouts for the rest of time until all of this isolation stuff's finished. And you can just go and access them. Push-ups, sit-ups, air squats, like find a program that you can follow. Don't just think, oh, I'm going to go move around because if you have to decide the movements you've got to do, it's not going to work. Again, sort of final point on this, the rituals that we do inform how uh, focused we feel. So what did I say earlier on? I was talking about make sure that you have an area for work set up. This is my work area. I'm getting dressed for work. This is part of the ritual of getting me ready and focused to go and do the job. The same has to be done when you're going to do your fitness. Don't do a hundred air squats for time in your pajamas and think that that's your fitness done. Like, no, go and fill your water bottle up, put your gym kit on, find an area, whether it be in the house, whether it be outside in a park, whatever it might be, and and do your thing. You know, try and keep as much of a semblance of normality as you can, because it's going to make you feel like you're still living the life that you usually live. Yeah, some amazing points there. I hope everyone's taking notes, not just for like workers as well, but you touched on independent businesses. I'm sure lots of businesses will be looking for their own sort of um, like life hacks in a way to to make sure they're okay on the other end when we all um, come out of this. So yeah, some really great points there. Yes, on, on that on that note, actually, Chris, I was going to say, what 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 uh, tips as well? I, I suppose would you give for uh, you know not just the workers, but the actual business owners who have a workforce that are you know working from home. Nobody wants to be you know kind of big brother or nanny state, but at the same time, you can't help but feel that there needs to be some communication with your workforce. What would you, uh, what advice would you give to people, you know, whose staff are working remotely in terms of checking in, in terms of briefings, in terms of what hacks would you say to them? Yeah, it's, this is one that we're struggling with at the moment in the, uh, in the nightclub industry. We need the guys to be completing their tasks, but we also don't want to be overbearing and, and, and yeah, like you say, this whole sort of 1984 nightmare scenario. Um, I would look to use the minimum effective dose of oversight. So you need the guys to get on board. First things first, I would tell the workers, look, I'm giving you this flexibility to work from home. I'm having faith that you guys are doing the work, but we also all need to be able to track. So don't just start dictating to them. This is the way it's going to be. Get on the fucking bus or get off like that. It's just going to get people's backs up. You know what I mean? Like it, it needs to be, look, why don't we have a collaborative discussion right now? Have a, have a, have a call with everybody and say, um, how do we think is the best way that you can keep me updated about where you are with your projects without me having to constantly check in, but also whilst it means that I am sufficiently up to date that I don't have anxiety that everyone's just still asleep in bed at midday. Um, it, for instance, using, I mean, you guys, I, I'll flip this over to you guys. What are you guys using for, for tracking tasks like Todoist or TickTick or Slack or um, Trello? You know, what are you using? Well, we've considered getting a group Trello on the go. So we might be doing that, but we're, we're sort of just replicating what we normally do. We normally have a float schedule that we all put our tasks in. Um, and we've been having a Hangouts chat every morning at about 11 to go through what everyone's working on for the day. Uh, and then we just sort of keep talking in our group chat on uh, Facebook Workplace. Um, but I guess like it's it's a bit of a learning curve right now because, like you say, you don't want to disrupt people's routine. And I guess you want to make sure that everyone has the time they need to have a proper lunch break and be able to go outside. Um, and it's hard not having that visibility of where everyone is um, with people wanting to take different lunch breaks and stuff. So, it, yeah, it's been a bit of a learning curve, but I think we're getting into the swing of it now. I genuinely think as a business owner, this is one option to do it would be to still mandate people's times. You know, the fact that, especially if you're paying your staff, like they're supposed to be at work on time. Like forget the fact that they're at home. Like just because you're at home doesn't mean that you don't get to be, yeah, there's absolutely, kids are off school as of today or as of next week. Um, Maybe that's going to change the dynamic of things. But 
what have we said here? We need to have a routine. We want to have some sort of semblance of normality. As a business owner, why not suggest, look, guys, I genuinely think it's going to be the best for all of us if we arrive at work at the same time, if we have a, a, a call. Definitely, I love that idea. I think that having a call that allows people to not only connect with their coworkers and not feel like they're so alone, but also to, you know, just keep everybody up to date on what's going on. Have that maybe once a day or a couple of short ones every so often. Um, and, and have, you know, lunch breaks now who's heading, who's heading off for lunch. Oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. You know, like have that, that still feels like a normal work environment. I know it's not, but it feels like it. Yeah, no, definitely. I was going to say that that's, that's such a massive point as well about the whole kind of, uh, regulating your day, because I, I think, uh, there's probably a fear among a lot of people that, you know, working from home, there's a sort of, I guess the commute is good, especially if you live out of town a little bit or away from your work is that the commute gives you a a chance to kind of reset and to leave work behind. I wonder if there's a flip side to all of this where, oh, because I'm home and because my laptop's at my desk, you know, I'm just going to keep going and keep going. And before you know it, you're working quite late nights <laughs> yeah. yeah no yeah. definitely that was an issue yesterday we had such a busy day i struggled to time a, a proper lunch break um and then yeah it's exactly right and i think it was the thing of having your phone on you because the group chats come through that as well and i'll probably sorry guys be turning my notifications off today at about six because uh, it got to about half seven yesterday and i realized i'm still working i thought even though i'm sat on the couch with my parents i'm actually still in work mode um so you really do need to distance that that's uh, one of the reasons why bedroom uh, office setups are actually fairly poorly recommended. I know that I'm not uh, I'm I'm not sort of singing the praises for that at the moment given that that's where I work, but you want to try and segment this is an area for work, this is an area for play. You know, you you hit the hit the nail on the head there like your journey home from work is part of the ritual of leaving work. It's a, a physical manifestation which identifies work time is over. Uh, me time, Eve time, Theo time has now begun, right? So how how can we match that with our daily work schedule? Create yourself a miniature office, you know? Like, I mean, Facebook Marketplace will have a desk on it for £10 and an office, an, a, a crap office chair for, for not very much either and set it, up, set it up in the corner of the living room or in the far side of the spare bedroom or, you know, whatever it might be. Like create an area which is, this is my workplace, or it might be the, as we said earlier on, the kitchen standing desk approach, whatever it might be, you know, create, this is my area for work. And then once you've left that, it's no longer your area for work. But yeah, everybody that's self-employed knows the situation that you just described where the laptop's still going, it's seven o'clock, it's eight o'clock, it's nine o'clock. And you're like, I cannot believe I'm still here and I'm back in 12 hours time. I basically haven't had a day to myself. I completely, uh, yeah, I completely agree with that. And 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 as Eve said, I think uh, you know many of us are finding that we're very uh, susceptible to that as well. I've got a question. I'm not sure if it's such a life hack, but just a general question um, on sort of cabin fever. Um, I mean, for, you know, it, 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 all of our situations are different. You know, some of us will have gardens, some of us won't. Where many of us are in week one of working from home at the moment, and it seems to be going okay, speaking from experience. Is cabin fever, would you say, is it inevitable after a few weeks of doing this? Or are there definitely, you know, ways that you can do to kind of, you know, stave that off, if you know what I mean? Yeah, I think this is going to be very dependent on your personality. So for me, there's a meme floating around which says, uh, when you find out that quarantine is your normal daily lifestyle and it's just <laughs> this guy this guy giving it the side eye. Um, yeah. if uh, th- This is how I choose to work, you know? So for the people who are now working from home, like welcome to Chris's world. Um, this is this is how I choose to work. However, for other people, if you get your energy from being around others, it's going to be more challenging. Um, ways to get rid of cabin fever are definitely going to be going for walks as much as possible. Um, I mentioned earlier on the Pomodoro technique, which is 25 minutes of work with a five minute break. During that five minute break, I would absolutely suggest open a window wide and stick your head outside and just look outside of the window. You know, um, if you are fortunate enough to either have a garden or be on the 
the ground floor of like a normal house or whatever, just a, a little walk, walk around the, the driveway, you know? I know that it, it sounds really stupid, but I promise you when you add up these tiny little effects throughout the day, you'll realize that you've hit your 10,000 steps without leaving the house. You've got fresh air, you know, 10, 20 times throughout the day. You've helped to expose yourself to some more uh, fresh air and sunlight, which is going to help you to sleep better on a nighttime because your circadian rhythm will be will be better aligned. You know, like just normal stuff like that. Cabin fever and uh, a feeling of restriction is it is coming. It's coming for you. Um, I spoke to Morgan Housel, a guy who writes for Collaborative Fund, and his grandma had this this uh, analogy. She said, "Camping is fun. Being homeless is miserable. The difference is the choice." And it's precisely the same. A meditation retreat or a couple of weeks off work to chill out is fun. House arrest in Italy under quarantine is miserable. And the difference is the perception of freedom that you've got. So give yourself as much freedom as you as you can. Go for a walk. Um, like I say, you know, if you're going to set yourself time, you're not going to train, but when do you usually go at the gym? Oh, well, I'm always at the gym at 6.30, right? Okay, so plan your workout for 6.30 in the house. Get yourself dressed, get your kit on, get your water bottle filled, Warrior Programming or anyone else who is giving away free at-home workouts. Follow that, stick to the routine. Um, you know, get a training partner who's going to do the workout at the same time in their house as you. Again, the, the the kind of key message here is to keep that semblance of normality going wherever you can. Yeah, no, definitely. I think that point on choice is so apt because, I mean, like, I don't mind spending a weekend uh, at home. I do it quite a lot, but all of a sudden, when someone says you have to, it's like you don't want you don't want to do it anymore. Suddenly, you resent having to do it. Um, being mandated, anything being mandated yeah. takes the fun out of it. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, but there has there has been some people theorizing that this sort of forced shift to working from home uh, might really appeal to some people and that actually it will have a positive effect on businesses and people will start working from home more out of choice after this because they find that they like it, they find that it works for them. And, you know, one meme that I saw springs to mind said, we're about to find out which meetings could have actually been emails. So, <laughs> I mean, yeah, do, do you think that there'll be some positive outcome from this as well? Oh, I mean, from a business side, the economic impact is going to be challenging. That's a whole nother story. And that's, that's one that I'm really not very qualified to talk about. But um, in terms of the dynamic of people working, yes, absolutely. I think that a lot of people are going to realize they're actually a lot more self-sufficient than they the thought or perhaps had known. Um, again, it's so, it's such a slippery slope. The path of least resistance is always going to be to wake up, have a crap bowl of cereal and a huge coffee, keep your pajamas on, um, and, and half ass work whilst your other eyes looking at Twitter on your phone. Like if you stick to your discipline, you can actually create some great habits that make you really effective. And if push comes to shove and you start consulting on the side or you start your own business or whatever it might be, when the time comes for you to call upon these skills, you're going to have embedded some fantastic habits. So one of the things that I think is a great opportunity for people at the moment, and this is one way where um, we're getting a little bit away from just working strategies here, but the period that we're coming up against now is going to be one of the most controlled environments that you're ever going to have in your life. You're literally being told there are certain places you shouldn't go and some that you can't go, right? There's certain things shut down, schools, et cetera, et cetera. And there's other things which you shouldn't be doing. There's advice to not go to bars, pubs, clubs, et cetera. Um, that means that you have a hermetically sealed environment. You've got this Petri dish to create habits now. There is no excuse. You're not going out on the lash on a weekend, getting drunk. You're not uh, getting distracted by having to go to the cinema or dating. I mean, the, date, the, the dating market's a total other, other uh, problem for everyone at the moment. But yeah, the, uh, the fact is you have the opportunity now to enter this situation as one person and come out as an upgraded version of who that was. So work on those habits. Everyone says, I haven't got enough time to read. Haven't got enough time to meditate. Haven't got enough time to journal. Haven't got enough time to pick up an instrument. You have the time now. You have the time to do it. You've saved your commute to and from work. You no longer have the distraction of all of the other social gatherings. And there's two ways that you can go about it. One of them is 
this is so challenging. The world is, this is being done to me. I have no choice in the situation. This is awful. I'm just going to get a, a 50 quid bag of weed and just smoke my head off every night. Or I'm going to get a bunch of, you know, I'm going to get a load of, a load of beers in and I'm just going to have, I'm going to start having a couple of beers a night because, oh, life's hard and stuff. And if that's the way that you want to cope, then that is fine. But my advice would be that you can transcend the challenge of the situation that we're facing by exiting whatever happens as an upgraded version to the person who came in. If you can leave with not only having survived, but having flourished in this situation, developed a meditation habit, started playing an instrument, you know, done whatever it is, begun blogging or writing or any of the things that you've said you haven't had time for, if you can leave the situation with those skills in your, in your wheelhouse, then you know, not only have you survived, but you flourished. Yeah, that's great advice, Chris, and a really positive way to look at that, which I think everyone's in need of right now. Um, I know you touched on just now the advice that people have been given not to go out to bars and pubs and clubs, etc. Um, so I guess for a minute, obviously, as someone who works in the nightlife industry, could you maybe touch on um, what the impact on that has been, how you're adapting, and what advice you'd have to your peers? Uh, so... Um... As a company, Voodoo Events, which is who I the the my company that I own, um, we have elected to close every event nationwide that we operate. Now that doesn't mean that the venues that we work with are closed. A couple of them have elected to stay open, um, but we didn't feel like it would be supporting what is in the best interests of the public's health uh, for us to be encouraging people to go out and get drunk. Um, I'm not going to tell any bars or pubs or clubs. There's independents out there, you know, small run bars and, and clubs and pubs and stuff who, if they close, that's, that's their business gone. It's not my place to tell them you are, you, what do you mean? You, you can't, you can't, you staying open. Like that's very irresponsible. It's like, well, yeah, mate, but that's my livelihood. And also this is a business that I've worked on for X number of years. So I think if you have the, if you have the capability to close, then it would be a good idea too. Um, however, I'm conscious of the fact that we are essentially a marketing agency with basically no costs. I don't have business rates to pay. I don't have rent to pay except for the office, which is tiny. I've not got f a ton of full-time staff on salary and stuff like that. So yeah, the when we start talking about the the challenges of operating a business in this environment, you can see just how, how difficult it's going to be for some people. And I really do feel for them, but yeah, the, the nightlife industry at the moment is going to take one of the biggest hits, um, of, of anything. I think it's, it's a luxury experience that packs people together in a sweaty, intimate environment. Like it is just, you know, for want of a better term, it's a breeding ground. Yeah, no, definitely. It's very complex, isn't it? And it'll be different for everyone's individual situation. But even your advice earlier, say to gym owners, the idea of just lending out your equipment to people, that seems like a very creative solution um, to that problem. I wonder if there's something that um, the nightlife industry could also do. Or like, So I saw um, there's, a, there's a bar. Um, I can't remember whereabouts in the country it is, but someone sent me a link earlier and basically they had ordered like loads and loads of ALN before this happened and now they need to get rid of it and no one's coming in to buy it. So they're letting people order like whole kegs of it online and just like delivering it to people's Don't homes. It. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, another, another alternative, this doesn't work quite so much for bars. Um, one of the problems is that the, the key reason that people go to venues, nightlife venues is for the social connection. And that, that mechanism is precisely what we're not allowed. So you can't really replace that. However, if you are a DJ, if you are someone that's in music, um, now would be the perfect time to start some sort of radio show, some sort of live stream. Uh, I saw that Dead Mouse was supposed to be playing a festival. Festival's being cancelled. Dead Mouse is now playing an online festival where he's going to stream live to fans. Anyone that bought a ticket gets free access to it. And I think maybe um, people can pay to kind of stream it as well. And then there'll be a live chat. And, you know, like you could have a rave. Yes, it would be on your own, um, but you would be with a bunch of other people and you'd be watching one of your favorite artists play online. You know, if you're a DJ who plays a, a weekly gig somewhere or a band, you're a band that always plays, like you can 
allow this situation to happen to you because it's happening anyway, right? Like this is, this is going to happen. You can either embrace it, try and think orthogonally. What are the alternative ways that I can make this situation work for me, not happen to me? What can I do? Like, okay, I'm a, a, a I'm an artist who usually plays and everyone comes to see me play at like the botanist Newcastle or Filthy's uh, live music bar or something like that. Like do a live stream, do a live stream, speak to the venue and say, hey, I know that you've got a huge fan page with 30,000, 40,000 people on. Make me an editor and I'll do an hour for free playing music just on a live stream. Like how amazing would that be? And yeah, you're not going to make a ton of money off it. But I tell you what, when you do come back around, that venue is going to remember who you are, the person that made the effort. All the fans are going, oh man, thank you so much. Me and the wife were absolutely loving it. We had a glass of wine. We were doing this, that and the other. You know, there is an opportunity now for people who are prepared to go above and beyond the call of duty to garner social equity, to garner brand equity, to garner goodwill from people because they really need it. The, you know, you guys will be seeing it and so am I. I've never seen podcast plays like this before because people just want information. They want a sense of connection. Um, and you know, if, if you're prepared to be the guy or the girl who does that and provides it to people, I think you can really benefit. Absolutely. People will remember um, who made them feel better and their money will be coming for you uh, when this is all over, for sure. Um, I actually saw an influencer yesterday who's hosting a live pub quiz on her Instagram stories, Instagram Live, uh, so everyone gets to play along and she hosts the pub quiz and everyone can have a drink here by themselves or whoever they're sharing their home with. And I thought that might be a nice thing for pubs to do. Although, like you say, it's tricky to monetize, but, um, you know, you can turn to sort of a more digital um, experiential approach, which I know we, we've we um, had to cover a lot of demand for in the last few days. I bet you have, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's uh, to add to that as well, I, I think the... the uh the VR industry have kind of sort of been rubbing their hands together a bit because this is almost the... <laughs> Finally, our time is here. It feels like the moment that they've been waiting for. But yeah, Chris, you're so right. Even going as far as uh, me and some friends, I think tonight is sort of doing a bit of a... Anybody who's seen Channel 4, The Circle, are probably going to do a bit oh of a kind God. of night out oh. or a quiz together over Google Hangouts. So it's definitely been uh, resourcefulness, um, as it seems to be the mode at the moment. What I want to know is, and this is probably speaking to a lot of people who are very much like me, I'm the sort of person who does dry January, feels great on the 29th day, and then goes on a bit of a bender on the 1st of February. <laughs> How do you keep these, you know, when, when, when we eventually come out of this, and we will, how do you keep these habits kind of restored? How do you carry on uh, meditating, exercising how you have been and not just thinking, ah, well, it's back to normal now. That was good. And now here we are. So one thing to do is to connect with how it makes you feel and what you actually want out of it. So <clears throat> for instance, if you start a meditation practice and you realize, actually, this makes me feel really good. I enjoy this feeling. It's not something that you have to do. It's something that you get to do. This is what all good habits are. And it's what no one ever really talks about. It's the fact that everyone thinks, oh, I've got to train. That's hard. I've got to do meditation habit. That's hard. I've got to read. That's hard. But how do you feel once you've done it? Connect to that. There's a book called uh, Hardwiring Happiness by Rick Hansen. Uh, and if you allow the good feelings, the good sensations that completing something gives you, if you sit with them, rather than finishing your meditation practice and going, oh, right, that's done, headspace, 10 minutes, I'm out of the way, I, right, coffee, get that down my neck. It's like, sit for 30 seconds and just remember how good it makes you feel. The more that you connect that good feeling with the thing that you're doing, the more that the thing that you have to do to get the good feeling just becomes a byproduct. Um, one of the best ways to create habits is to do what's called habit stacking. So this is particularly good for a morning routine. If you already do something and you want to do something else, do those two things together. So <clears throat> for instance, most people will be having some sort of a drink on a morning time, as we've already identified, try not to have coffee within the first 90 minutes of the day. But um, if you're having your salt and lemon water or whatever it might be, pick a seat, sit down, put the drink next to that, and don't leave the seat until you've done a bunch of things you want to do. So if you want to journal, you want to read, you want to meditate, right, have the book, have your journal, have your meditation timer, have all of those things there. You've stacked all of the habits on top of the thing you were already doing, which was having your coffee or doing whatever it might be. And then when you reintegrate back into work, there's going to be a period where you have to think, right, how can I take the things which were good for me during that period and carry them over. But with a little bit of conscious thought, if you spend just a little bit of time thinking, wow, like 
I really, really enjoyed going for a morning walk. I wonder if I can get up 10 minutes earlier and just continue to go for a morning walk because some of these things might not stick. Oh, well, meditation practice wasn't really so much for me. I didn't really enjoy that. Oh, reading was kind of cool, but I'd rather just stick to doing it on an evening. But the morning walk and the cold shower and the salt and lemon water, I absolutely love that. So keep those, but just think consciously once when it is time for us to reintegrate. Don't just allow the old habits from before to drag you back in, because that I say, you have the opportunity to transcend the challenge of this situation by using it as an opportunity for growth rather than some bestowed version of limitation because there's a pandemic running right outside. Absolutely fantastic advice. I think that ring uh, true with a lot of people. Well, Chris, we've had absolutely loads and loads and loads and loads of life hacks here. And certainly, you know, the majority of which I'm definitely going to take away from this. Um, A bit unprecedented because we've never been in this situation before, but I just wondered if to wrap us up, you had a bit of a uh, message of goodwill for people who have been, you know, affected or being affected by this uh, awful pandemic. Okay. I think it's a challenge at the moment. We've got literally an unprecedented situation that's happening. However, it's very rare that the entire planet gets to experience something altogether. Like it it, it doesn't even rain everywhere in the world at the same time. You know, like the Olympics, perhaps the World Cup, but look at what happens. You have something like Love Island or, or, or a reality TV show. People are desperately searching for a sense of shared experience to bring them together. And right now, I'm seeing so much more empathy around the world than I've ever seen before. You know, yeah, it's it's terrible what's happening in Italy, but everybody's thinking, oh my God, I can't believe, is there a charity that I can give to? Is there something, some way that I can make this feel better? So Yes, it's massively challenging at the moment, but also think about the fact that we are all part of a shared, one planet, one shared experience that's going on at the moment. How can you take an extra couple of minutes out of your day to ring someone, to ring somebody that you you haven't spoken to in a while and check in on them? Like I've had so many texts from people, hey man, I saw that you were a little bit ill, are you okay? Those people wouldn't have probably gone out of their way to text me had it not have been this situation, but it made me feel really, really nice to know that I was in their minds, you know? Like text your mum, text your grandparents, make sure that they're okay. The bottom line is what I've kept on saying throughout this, this is an opportunity for you to come out of this situation an upgraded version of who went in. And you can bring other people with you as well. It's not just you that can do this. If you can be a positive influence on other people, then you literally can bypass the suffering and the challenges that we're going to face. There are going to be some difficult times. I mean, stop sharing stuff on Facebook that has absolutely no like truthful basis as well, because it's not helping anyone alarmist misinformation that's come out of the back end of some WhatsApp chat is not helping anybody. Just use your brains when it comes to that. But yeah, you know, you you genuinely can flourish in this situation. It's not just a case of surviving. You can come out of it better than when you went in. I think that's a really nice sentiment, Chris. And honestly, the advice you've given us today, I'm definitely going to take note of. I hope it's been really useful to all of you listening at home as well. 100%. Yeah, just to echo that. Brilliant advice. And yes, as we've all said, I'm sure we will get through this. You know, we will uh, go forward. And, And like you said, Chris, hopefully come out of it uh, better. Thank you so much for uh, joining us. We do, really do hope you feel better and that everybody else, you know, uh, continues to club together and, uh, you know, it's feeling all right. And uh, we'll be, you know, trying to continue as normal as best we can. So brilliant. Yeah. Thanks so much, Chris, for joining us. It's been great talking. Yeah. It's been a pleasure. And thank you as well to you guys for continuing to do this. I know, you know, at the moment people need to hear familiar voices talking about stuff, keeping them entertained. I appreciate you guys putting the work in and thanks to Ollie behind the scenes as well for making it all happen. So yeah, it's been a, it's been a pleasure until next time. Hopefully we'll be, uh, we'll be able to see each other face to face. Yeah. We'll see you soon. Catch you later on. Thank you for listening. We really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please remember to leave us a review on iTunes because it really, really helps and allows us to bring you brand new episodes every single week. This has been the Social Minds Podcast with myself, Theo Watts, Eve Young, and produced by Ollie Thompson. 